Right, welcome to The Briefing Room. I'm Devin Dwyer at ABC News in Washington, joined by Steve Colonel, Colonel Steve Ganyard, our ABC News military contributor and White House correspondent Tara Palmieri on this Tuesday. Thank you for joining us here on ABC News Live. A lot to unpack today. There is no White House briefing today, but we're going to dive into a number of big stories today, including the president's big new tweet that's creating waves uh, this afternoon on Russia. The president, guys, talking now that he believes Russia's meddling. He's convinced. He's declaring it. There it is on your screen. I'm very concerned Russia will be fighting very hard to have an impact on the election. Of course, in this case, he says uh, the Russians are in the tank for the Democrats. It's a bit of a head scratcher. Of course, Putin himself said he was for Donald Trump. But what do you make of this, Tara? Uh, setting the stage perhaps for a democratic wave in the midterms and somebody to blame? I think this is new spin. Uh, Maybe this is a way to rile the base up, create the impression that he doesn't have the support of Russia and they need to get out there and vote and that, in fact, that these dark forces might be working against him since President Trump likes to use the victim card a lot on on Twitter. But the thing is, he's not citing any evidence. As we know, he doesn't trust the intelligence community, although he then backtracked and says that he does, but he's not citing anything um, from from their end. But he is sort of right. I mean, on policy, he's been pretty tough on Russia, arming Ukraine with the javelins, the anti-tank missiles, uh, the number of sanctions, expelling diplomats. He has been, his talk, not so tough, but his actual actions have been pretty tough on Russia. So it wouldn't be completely surprising, but like you said, Vladimir Putin said just last week that he wanted him to win. And we should say that U.S. intelligence officials have just told ABC News in the past few minutes that they have seen no evidence that the Russians are meddling in this election to help Democrats, at least, mm. Steve. Uh, but they are meddling, and that's, there's, there's a lot of consensus around that. Right, and the MO here is to undermine U.S. institutions, to undermine public confidence and trust in institutions. So it really doesn't matter whether they're going against Democrats, Republicans, whether they're going against Clinton or they're going after Trump. The idea here is for people to begin to mistrust, for the American people to mistrust their fundamental institutions. That plays to Putin's benefit. I guess the big question is, what is he doing about it? He's been so back and forth uh, in the administration. Donald Trump has been back and forth on whether he believes this. The administration has been consistent saying this is happening. But what do you see, Steve? You're sort of pretty plugged in in the national security world. What are they doing now to prevent this or stop this? It's it's a very coordinated campaign. So they're using our own social media against us. They're using uh, uh, various parts of the American public that uh, that are already mistrustful of American institutions. But the whole idea here in this undermining of the U.S.'s credibility in internally but also externally to create this turmoil where people say look at the turmoil in the u.s so allies trust us less the allies become more wary they begin to form new relationships and depend less on the united states so so this is in a lot of ways it goes back to many of the methods that the russians have used since the soviet days and we have not played that game those cold war games for a long time and so we're going to have to get back into that and understand that this is political warfare and that it is it's putin's key instrument and tool against us we have to remember too that a lot of the former soviet states now part of the european union some not they're used to this sort of russian propaganda the idea that you know in uh, i was just in estonia the other day and they have an issue where russians they have put out propaganda that the that there are pro-russians that are you know fighting with the Estonians there and creating these faux conflicts among them. And actually, I read that they they use singing to create national unity to fight against this uh, concept that there's hatred between them. And it's a yeah. something that Europe has been dealing with for a really long time. And the Russians are actually, I mean, it, we haven't been able to actually trace it, but they're also supporting far-right movements 
not just in word, but possibly, you know, financially, like Marine Le Pen in France and, and they in the Brexit movement and in the mm -hmm. UK. Mm -hmm. A lot of division here at home over this issue of the Russians, a lot of division. You're just back from Europe and the NATO summit. Um, you're talking about some of those divisions that we're starting to see between the U.S. and allies. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow is a very big day. Uh, for the United States and the EU, the president holding something of a mini summit of his own, the EU uh, commissioner coming to talk about trade. That's our next, next topic today, guys, is tariffs. The president's been <laughs> tweeting that tariffs are the greatest. And Tara, you and I, uh, just a little while ago, were meeting with the ambassador uh, of the EU here in the United States, and he's concerned about this summit uh, and what Donald Trump will do when it comes to this trade war that's escalating. It seems like the Europeans are coming into this in kind of a, I guess, not so much of a weak position. I mean, they're coming here basically begging President Trump not to uh, in, to actually implement these tariffs against car makers. You know, we always hear him railing against German car makers. It's something that he talks about privately and publicly. He thinks that we're not getting a fair deal. Um, and so they seem that they, it seems like they're coming with some options. Uh, you know, the idea of possibly eliminating car tariffs across the board to make sure that he doesn't actually end up, you know, changing the game and, and putting a 20% tariff on European cars. Or the other option was a limited free trade agreement. But, you know, it's very technical. President Trump still needs to buy into this right. idea. But the idea that U.S. officials I've spoken to have said is that it just doesn't go far enough. And the bottom line, the Europeans say they don't even know what the president wants. He right. sort of, he wants, he wants a political fight. And actually we have, hold that thought, see, we have a little bit of sound. The president spoke about this tariff fight a little bit earlier. Let's take a listen. What the European Union is doing to us is, is incredible. How bad? They made $151 billion last year, our trade deficit with the European Union. They sound nice, but they're rough. They're all coming in to see me tomorrow. They're all coming to the White House. I said, you have to change. They didn't want to change. I said, okay, good. We're going to tariff your cars. They send millions of cars. Mercedes, all of them, BMW, so many cars. I said, we're going to have to tariff your cars. They said, uh, when can we uh, show up? When can we be there? Uh, would tomorrow be okay? No, folks, stick with us. Stick with us. Amazing. But remember, they have the biggest, best, strongest lobbyists and they're doing a number. Just stick with us. Don't believe the crap you see from these people, the fake news. President drawing some applause there uh, at the VFW uh, from his supporters in Kansas City. But uh, let's bring in our Ali Rogan, Senate producer, who's staked out outside of Senator Rand Paul's office. She's been talking to Republican senators today. Ali, uh, great to have you with us. Give us a bit of the flavor uh, what you're hearing from Republicans about this trade war that's escalating uh, today. Devin, Republican senators from farm states didn't like it when the president imposed these tariffs to begin with, and now they don't like the fact that he's proposing another $12 billion to help aid them. Uh, senators today are telling me, and again, mostly Republicans are saying this is a problem that was created by the president, and now he's proposing a solution to a problem of his own creating. Uh, and they say that farmers who come to visit with them, we heard this sort of chant from a few senators who said, trade, not aid. These farmers simply want to sell the fruits of their labor, and they don't want or they want the least amount of government intervention that they have to deal with. In terms, though, of solutions and how to address this in Congress, 
I don't know that you're going to see very much. The Senate is currently still working on its annual farm bill that includes aids to farmers. So I don't really think there's going to be anything they're going to do in the short term uh, that's meant to repudiate the president's uh, new advancement on this issue. Okay, Ali, thanks. The Republicans' hands are tied there. They can only go so far in pushing back on the president. Uh, but let's bring in Catherine Falders over at the White House. Catherine, uh, Ali, alluding there to a $12 billion emergency aid plan that the administration rolled out today to basically pay farmers uh, who are going to get hit in this trade war. That is not going over well with Republicans. A lot of talk of this becoming something of a Soviet state. Uh, not something you hear refer usually from Republican uh, senators talking about a Republican president. Yeah, that is not something you hear uh, frequently up there. But Devin, uh, you mentioned this $12 billion. This is the first action the president has taken to protect farmers. But the irony here is that this is a trade war um, that the president started. Um, as Ali was kind of talking about this $12 billion uh, bailout, it doesn't need congressional approval. The USDA, um, Sonny Perdue, uh, told reporters today that this is actually a necessary fix to the damage from what he called illegal retaliatory tariffs uh, by China and other countries. But really the, the big irony here is that, that this is something created by the president, yet they're saying it's in response to the illegal behavior by China and other countries. Okay, well, I know you'll be watching it tomorrow. Catherine, uh, stand by there. We're looking at the Dow is up uh, despite this news today. Uh, so perhaps the market's absorbing some of this uh, ahead of time. They knew this fight uh, is coming. Uh, much more on that. But let's turn now to North Korea, another major issue of the week. Steve, um, some news overnight after, you know, what now? It's been about a month since mm -hmm. the Singapore summit. Tara was there. Uh, very mm -hmm. limited movement by North Korea on some of their promises. But now perhaps... Perhaps we're seeing some dismantling yeah. of part of their apparatus. So These are new satellite images. New satellite images, uh, 38 North, the, the, uh, the terrific uh, uh, think tank that does the analysis of these images, shows that they're beginning to dismantle their satellite testing facility. So that would have been equivalent to sort of an ICBM sort of test site. Now, they have been testing rocket engines for some of their medium-range ballistic missiles and intermediate ballistic missiles there. So this is some progress. Uh, it's but not they already irreversible. Have that work. Do they need? They, I mean, does so this, so this may be the idea. Maybe Kim Jong Un say, "Look, I proved it. I don't need to prove it again." They bought into the bluff, whether it's true or not. We still don't know if they can have a missile that re-enters the atmosphere, survives the heat of re-entry, and can target a particular place. But he's gone far enough, and we bought far enough into his bluff that he feels that he can begin to dismantle some of his testing facilities. And of course, now. none of this has been verified. We don't have U.S. inspectors. Terry, you were just in North Korea. Uh, did they, they, they didn't have any independent international inspectors there with you. Uh, you were there with Secretary Pompeo. But um, what's your take on where the administration is on this? Pompeo didn't meet with Kim Jong-un as he expected, right. but it seems like they're playing a bit of a dance. The North Koreans give them a little bit, then sort of, you know, spank them and then give them a little bit more. Um, you know, they want the United States, Pompeo, President Trump, they want this to be a quick, swift dismantling of North Korea's nuclear facilities. And in North Korea, they want this to be a long, drawn-out process. They want some sanctions relief. They want some more acknowledgement on the international stage. And their timetables are just not in sync right now. And I think when I was there with uh, Secretary of State Pompeo a few weeks ago, you know, he was really tough on the North Koreans. He wanted to come home with something, a blueprint, just even an outline of, of what these are the, the, um, the facilities we have. These are the weapons we have. Um, and he couldn't get that. And in fact, he was supposed to meet with Kim Jong-un and it just it didn't happen. And, and the fact that the Secretary of State goes half 
halfway across the world to meet with Kim Jong-un. And when Kim Jong-chol came to Washington, he met with the president of the United mm -hmm. States. But we couldn't have our secretary of state meet with Kim Jong-un. So this is nothing new. This is right out of the Kim playbook. It goes back to his father and his grandfather. They mm -hmm. will tell us one thing. They will lie. They will obfuscate. And they'll change. And they're but not they'll in never any hurry. And in they're fact, the president hurry. says there's right. no rush right. now. And he's giving him all the cards because yeah. he wants it so badly and they can sense it, don't you think? So we're also seeing intel reports that the price of gas is dropping in North Korea, mm -hmm. which means that the sanctions are beginning to leak. So whether the Chinese are deliberately easing off on the sanctions, whether people are saying, oh, something good's going to happen, so we can start opening the black market uh, uh, again, this is the problem because if we take the heat off, then there's nothing to continue to get the North to bargain in good faith. So give us your near-term forecast, Steve. What, what, are we, what are you expecting in the next couple of months on this storyline? Will, will there, we just kind of continue in this pattern where uh, there's a little bit of outreach by the Americans, the North Koreans maybe do some gesture, but it's unclear and it just kind of goes on like this indefinitely? I don't think we should expect to see any significant progress. Now, the president apparently has voiced his frustration privately, but as long as he doesn't have the pressure of the sanctions, he really is not going to be able to get anything forward. So in some ways, the president just said, well, I talked to Kim Jong-un. He says he's not going to point nukes at us anymore. So let's go over here and think about trade and let's talk about Europe or let's talk about China. So in some ways, he's just sort of dismissed the threat which that's one way to do it, but it doesn't mean that the threat has gone away and it doesn't mean that both us and our allies still aren't held at risk by the North Korean people. We also don't have another meeting on the schedule for when Secretary of State Mike Pompeo will meet. That with invitation of Kim yeah. Jong-un right. to come to, to Washington perhaps yeah. still right. stands, but yeah. nothing on the books. Yeah. He's the lead negotiator and they treated him pretty poorly last time he was in North Korea, so I don't know the next move likely the North Koreans will come to us, yeah. but it seems like it's they've, they've really come to a halt right now. I think that's the first time in this presidency where we've seen the president in danger of appearing foolish, of being taken. Mm. I can't think of any other place. I mean, maybe on the tariffs, maybe with China, but in this case, if there's no movement and Kim continues to play him the way that he is, It'd be very interesting to see how President Trump reacts to being played. It's a weighty warning, but the president's celebrating those new images on North Korea out overnight. And finally, we wrap up today uh, with a little news out of the West Wing and some business, a business headline. Ivanka Trump, the senior advisor to President Trump and first daughter, of course, her, her brand is closing for good. The clothing uh, and fashion line that she built up, in fact, just started selling products online this year, is now shuttering. In light of weakening sales, let's go back to Catherine Falders at the White House for some reaction on this. Catherine, I know you um, you uh, have been following a little bit about the Ivanka the story. There was all that controversy uh, when she took her post, had to step away from the company, and now uh, calling it quits. Yeah, Devin, she said she wants to focus more on policy, her work in Washington. Now, it's been rumored for a couple months that this uh, was probably happening. Well, today was the day she released that statement um, saying that. You remember last year that Nordstrom and Neiman Marcus also said they would no longer uh, carry her collection. You see that statement from Ivanka on the screen. Uh, these two department stores said they would no longer carry her collection, um, citing performance in their stores. Of course, the president tweeted uh, that Nordstrom had treated uh, Ivanka so unfairly. But uh, that news coming today, and Ivanka Trump says that following her time in Washington, she doesn't know uh, whether she will return back to retail or not, so still leaving that door open.
A lot, of, a lot of questions about the closure of that <laughs> brand and what deals she may have made behind closed right. doors. We do know Tara and I were just talking sales down right. significantly since she, she took office. Uh, Catherine Fowler's over at the White House. Thank you so much. And thank you for watching here on this busy Tuesday in the briefing room. I uh, hope you follow the latest in this and uh, all the stories we talked about today in the ABC News app and at abcnews.com. For Steve Ganyard, Tara Palmieri, I'm Devin Dwyer. We'll see you next time.